and nobody misses like this, man. It's crazy. Welcome back, everybody. This is Backlash Radio. Anthony Pino from the Blood Money and Hook Optics and Nick Carullo from the Front Runner and the Wire Transfer from Miami. Um, we got a great guest today, our first guest of the Backlash Radio era, and it's our hero, Rich Barrett. If you haven't heard us talk about on the old pod, I think you and Tucker Calhoun are basically the, the two guys that are pretty much our idols. So we're thankful that you can make it, Richie. Thanks for coming, buddy. Uh, Thanks, Tucker. Tucker's definitely my hero. Never seen anybody <laughs> make a meme so fast about something. <laughs> or follow a smaller boat in rough weather. That's always something. <laughs> yeah. That yep. We'll get into that later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So well, nice. Well, yeah, Rich, thanks for joining us. And yeah, Rich, just give us a little, you know, intro about yourself and you know what's going on now. All right. Um, been running the shark fight for since 2006, working for Pete Cherasia. It's been uh you know, it's been great, got a great relationship, been a lot of fun. Um you know, we're fortunate we started out with a 68 Viking, which was a fantastic boat. Uh he's had a series of Vikings. And at the time it was, you know, he was thinking about building a custom boat. And uh we went down and talked to John Ballas. And next thing you know, we we're building a 73 footer a uh, couple of years after I started working for him. And we started that boat, completed it in 2011, took 26 months to build. And that thing's been fantastic. It's been uh done some great things with it and had a lot of fun. Beautiful rig. Yeah, very, very fortunate. Yeah. Very fortunate. <laughs> on your second set of engines so you guys have put a lot of a lot of hours on it and since yeah he he keeps us pretty busy he's yeah. he skis all winter but uh during the summer it's you know spring and summer it's fishing and and going so we we'll typically do you know bahamas or dominican republic um lately it's been bahamas and then come up and see you guys in ocean city and then really wherever the fishing's best after that uh, we kind of spent a lot of time in New Jersey this year. He, you know, congratulations to him. Just uh, became a, a grandfather for the first time, so we kind of been taking it a little easier this year, but uh, still, still getting at it and kind of winding down our season now in, in October here. So let's nice. go back to the b- beginning, Rich. I mean, I met you years ago at the Bayless Boatyard, actually, and then that was a, yeah. I think I helped, helped you guys chamois the shark bite, and I don't. It wasn't brand new, but it was damn, damn close to new. And uh, and then you've been kind of nice to me ever since you, when we were down there, um, the bluffs. You guys were you were super nice to me and helped me out a lot getting ready to go to Mexico when I was twenty three years old. Which I don't know how somebody let me do that, but I was <laughs> super happy for to have you there at the bluffs, and we kind of been been buddies ever since. And but I don't really, before that, I really, I know that you had a big reputation, but I really don't know much about how you got started in the industry. Yeah, well, got got started through my dad, really. Uh, you know, I grew up in New Jersey and my dad had been in the industry both, uh, he, he actually published a fishing magazine back then. So, uh, you know, way back when he was actually working for Abu Garcia um, back in long time ago and then got involved in publishing a fishing magazine and also had a charter boat uh called the linda b uh last boat he had was actually an old scarborough uh used to be the seahorse if you remember that from ocean city bob herder i think was his name he ended up buying that boat and 
grew up fishing, you know, grew up fishing the canyons and doing all that stuff with him. Um, so he taught, you know, he got me started, taught me a lot, taught me my basics. And I'd say my biggest break, yeah, I'd fished with a few different people, fishing all around Brielle, New Jersey. And my biggest break was uh, I got to know Frank Murray pretty well. Uh, and, you know, always talking to him, helped him out with some fight chair stuff and all up in, up in New Jersey here. And I told him, I said, I'd really like a job where I start to travel a little bit. He said, I'll keep my eyes open for you. And his neighbor was a guy by the name of Rick DeFio. Rick DeFio was the captain of the Tyson's Pride at the time. And I guess uh, they needed a mate in a hurry. And Frank said, hey, give Rick a call. He's looking for somebody. And a week later, I was sitting in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. Wow. And that was that was my biggest break. You know, I kind of have chills thinking about it, how much Rick had taught me over the time. You know, that was in its day. That was about as big a program as you could get. Uh, we started fishing Cabo, you know, went all the way down to Panama and through the canal and you know, all over the place. Spent a year down in Brazil on that boat and Virgin Islands and you know, a lot of traveling, fishing a lot, had the mothership. So uh I mean I I learned so much from him just the about the traveling, about the mechanics, how to do bright work, <laughs> everything. We were on our own, you know. How old uh how old were you when you flew to Cabo? Uh God, I was in, in my twenties. You know, it would have been, I think, ninety. Back then, he probably had the drive. So, <laughs> come on. Hey, the, the interesting <laughs> thing is, we didn't have GPS back then. Jesus. So there was—I forget the name of it—but it was uh, a, a unit that once, once an hour, it picked up a position from a satellite, and besides that, it calculated through set and drift. And wow. we all over the place just, just with that. It's pretty, pretty interesting. Come a long way but, since that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, what were you guys? I mean, that must have been going from. I'm sure back then fishing out of Brielle was was pretty amazing, but I mean, going to Cabo in the '90s is probably mind blowing. It was pretty cool, you know. I I don't think it was you know the Mag Bay fishing that they have now. It was we were there. I would have gone. I think it was right around December or something like that. So. uh you know, it wasn't the Mag Bay fishing like they have now, but uh, Rick had it pretty dialed in, and uh, you know, it was all live bait fishing. And you know, I remember, you know, how how are you finding these fish so good? And you you said you always mark the bait at you know, I can't remember the exact numbers, ninety feet. And as soon as you'd see that bait come up to 30, 40 feet, where the striped marlins would ball the bait, we'd drop the bait down, and next thing you know, we'd be on you know two three fish at a time, and. Uh, he was always really good. We, you know, had some good catches all the time. You know, you come in and everybody say, "Yo, how'd you do?" And they almost didn't believe you because you know, Rick would put you on the fish so good. Um, but it was it was cool. I wish I bought some real estate down there back then. Probably would have been <laughs> yeah, doing right. right now. Yeah. yeah. What was the Tyson's Pride back then? Uh, back then it was a, uh, a sixty-two merit or sixty-three merit. Sixty-three merit. Um, actually, I, just, I can't remember what the name of the boat is, but I think I just saw it the other day. It's, been a few few boats since then and now i look at it, it looks pretty small i remember that thing was bigger and bigger in the world itself when i first got on it yeah you know, it's probably a badass boat years. back then yeah and yeah you know, everywhere we traveled it was on on your own bottom and yeah you know, we did have a mothership that we traveled with but it was it was pretty cool you know went down to panama after that and through the canal and all over the place and uh, How, you, you said you spent a year in brazil 
Yeah, yeah. We went down. We we fished Panama. Went back through the canal. Did a pit stop at Merritt's, I think it was, and then uh, ran down, fished Puerto Rico for a while, uh, which that was that was a great experience. I think we were the first boat to win the uh, the San Juan tournament. That was a, an American boat that year. It was pretty cool. We we won pretty much everything that that year. It was uh, a friend of mine that I grew up with, Terry Robinson. Rick, uh, I had Rick Thistleweight was the mate that i was working with at the time he was from australia old older you know older older experienced mate from the reef taught taught me a lot and he when he went back down the reef rick said hey you got anybody you want to work with i said oh my buddy terry i don't think he's doing anything right now he's up in new jersey and he flew down and you know we, we fished together for a few years and he ended up of course running that boat and doing an incredible job with it for years um I had gotten off the boat. One of our guests on there was a guy by the name of Mel Emmergut. Uh, Mel and Don were actually some of the people that started the Billfish Foundation. I think Mel was the first president of the Billfish Foundation. Uh, you know, when if you ever go back, like Marlon Mania, the Azores, that Murray Brothers film, that was him and his wife in that. Um, he used to fish Azores a lot. He wanted to become the first person to catch three different species over a thousand. He had a, bl- a black that was twelve hundred. He was the very first person to catch a bluefin over a thousand, and he came as close as nine eighty on the blue. That that wasn't with me, but uh, you know, pretty much a bonita away for that. Anyway, he was one of our guests on on the boat all the time. You know, he'd come fish Panama with us, fish the Virgin Islands with us, fish Brazil with us, and uh, him and his wife Barbara had asked me if you know if I'd be interested to go run their boat. And so after I got done with the Tyson's Pride, I went and ran the Grander, uh, which was a Whitaker when we started for quite a few years, you know, I think 12, 12, 13 years, at least with him. And that was a great experience, super family. And, uh, you know, that Whitaker was a really special boat to me. I did a lot of work on that. And we fished uh, Montauk was kind of the home base, but ended up, uh, you know, going anywhere, Dominican Republic, Mexico. Uh, we ended up uh, Bermuda a couple of years. Uh, once we got the Garlington boat and then got a 58 Merritt and, uh, it was still I still talk to them, you know, very, very close with their family. They were they were fantastic to me. Really, really good. But worked worked with them for a while. And when he you know, he sold the boat, and that's when I started working for Pete. So wow. I really have only had three jobs in that's 30 years. That's pretty amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, or whatever it is. So shows a lot about yourself, man. Yeah. <laughs> so try not to get fired tomorrow, you know. Good man. <laughs> See how it goes. Wow. Do you always well, I, I can't imagine you do, but I always like am in the constant state of like, oh, this is definitely the, my last day on the job. Like that's just how I approach approach like the day. I don't know why. Do you, I assume it's not like that with you, Rich? But I always <laughs> hope there's a tomorrow. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but it's uh, yeah. My 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 wife Christine and daughter Natalie. It's always good to get back to them every time. I, you know, I know that they're. They're they're a great support system for me, and you know, we travel a lot. Always always great to come home and and see them, and you, know, you kind of away from them, but kind of do it for them too. You know, yeah. keep where are they? Where are they in Jersey? No, they're in Florida. We we uh, in, we're in Jupiter here. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, yeah. Practically neighbors. Yeah, right, right up the street. Yeah, right up the street. Yeah. So, I'll be up there. I'll to be up there one day. <laughs> you gonna get out of that three hundred five stuff? Yeah, eventually. Jupiter is a nice place. Yeah, I, I like it. We've been here for a while now. When nice. you're gonna move to the country, Nick? <laughs> no, I'm. 
I like my little <laughs> little setup here. Keep the boat right down the street, and we're we're in a good little good little spot here. Nice. Plus, I can't afford to buy anything else around here now, anyways. <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah. So, what here. size was that Whitaker? Uh, it was forty six, and you would. It was built as the Mako. Uh, went through a couple different names, and then Mel bought it, and um, he had it for quite quite a number of years. I'm going to say, Donald Merton ran it for him when he first got it. Donald ran it for him for five years. I think then went through a couple guys and i ran ran that boat for uh, i'm trying to think how many years but probably eight ten years on that one um we repowered it at one point i cracked the cylinder line or coming back from the bahamas and we figured it had about twenty six thousand hours on it at that point wow and that was a fishy boat and that's the one that jimmy grant ended up taking down to venezuela as the waterman so we sold it to mike standing and uh you know, he fished it out of Virginia Beach. It ended up getting down to Venezuela. So that boat's caught a lot of fish over its time. I know Jimmy did fantastic with it. And Is that the boat now that's history. in it's in Guatemala now? Actually, now it's sitting sitting uh, sitting in Aruba on the hard. So Aruba on the hard. Yeah, so there's probably, a little Whitaker been, that's in that's in uh, David Salazar's hands. That's a sweet little boat. Yeah, now the the uh, the old Granders, the, the Whitaker's probably. Probably not going to see that one again. I think it's been sitting there for a while. Then uh, we got a, Gar- a 54 Garlington with Mel for a brief, brief time. He wanted to get, you know, get something a little bit bigger. And that was a, a one-off that the ET had built while they were building the, uh, the Ryovich as an interim boat. And then right away, we got a 58 Merit, which was a fantastic boat, too. And that boat turned into the uh, Wees and the Keys. Oh, wow. So, gotcha. yeah, oh, that, yeah, boat. Well, that boat well. that boat. That that was that was our old boat. Saw it saw it this year in San Sal. Still looks good. Yeah, still looks great, man. Yeah, that's a that fifty eight's a heck of a boat. That's for sure. A friend of mine, Paul Dalek, he had you know, told him I was going to be looking, and he introduced me to Pete. And again, since two thousand six, it's been with Pete ever since. Amazing. So still still look forward to going to work every day. It's been been good. That's awesome, Richie. You got to tell me about Brazil. We we skipped over that. <laughs> Uh, it was it was pretty cool. Uh, it's a long way to get there. We, yeah. we left Puerto Rico, and uh, funny, I remember buying some Cruzan rum from Puerto Rico, which kind of leads to another story. And we kind of day tripped it down through. I think we stopped at uh, Saint Lucia and ended up in Grenada, and kind of waited for a little weather, which the weather just was horrible the whole way down. So it had head sea the whole way down mm-hmm. but we did a leg from Grenada all the way to the mouth of the Amazon River wow and it's about 2,000 miles just 10 knot of the whole way cleared in a town called uh, Macapá which is in north the north fork of the Amazon we got a pilot to take us down you know with the mothership we were following the mothership down a few day trip down to the south fork of the Amazon and then we kind of restocked in a, a city called Belém and we were there, we were only halfway there to where we wanted to get. And so you could imagine how big Brazil is. And uh, we left left there and then we did another, gonna say it was about seven days, I think it was almost another 2000 mile run to Victoria, Brazil. And we fished out of there. And namely, we wanted to go down and fish for those white marlins. So we had, you know, Don, wanted, Don Tyson wanted to come down and fish there. Uh, got to know some of the local people, which were incredibly nice. 
Um, and we had Mike Levitt come down. He wanted to try to, you know, the white Marlin records are incredible down there. So we ended up catching him a 142 on 12 pound, which I think is still the line class record, if I'm not mistaken. The day after that, there was a 178 caught, but that was the same line class as the 181, which is the all, all tackle record. So second biggest white Marlin ever, and it didn't even count as anything. Wow. Uh, you know, so we fished, you know, we fished down uh, Victoria, and then we were, went up to Porto Seguro and fished up that Charlotte Bank, which was, we hit it on a really good year that year. I, I remember there was one week Rick had wrote a little thing of what we did, and I, I think we, you know, or saw 50-some blue marlin that, that week. It was pretty incredible fishing, and they were all nice fish, and no one had ever fished down there before. So it was pretty, you know, or no American boats anyway. So it was, it was pretty cool. It was pretty special. Uh, fished out of Recife, went over, there's an island called Fernando de Narona, went over, fished, fished over there. Um, not many blue marlin, but a lot of wahoo over there. And it was pretty cool because we, we gave all the wahoos to the locals. Be- beautiful island. If you can ever look it up. I see you I'm got the it up right now. Yeah. If you look, if you look up the surfing there, Nick, you'd be astonished by the waves. It was, it was pretty sick. Uh, wow. And just it, the place was incredible. It was like something out of a out of a travel magazine. I think yeah. there's only 500 people on the island at the time, but we gave we gave uh, all the fish to the local to the locals. Uh, so you'd see the menu up for the school, and it would be like cavala, cavala, cavala every, every wow. single day. You know, stack them up like cordwood. Eating good, but you know that that could be a place that the blue marlin could have been incredible. <laughs> but since no one had ever fished there, you don't know what time of year it's going to be. Yeah. You know, and then, uh, yeah, did, did Recife, caught some nice fish out of there. Actually, I think I'd, we missed uh, Donna DiFio, which was Rick's wife, um, caught her a fish. I think it missed the woman's world record. It was 888 on, I think it was 80 pounds. Missed the woman's world record at the time by just a few pounds. That was that was a heck of a fish. And uh, also out of Victoria, we had uh, Mel's wife that I ended up working for. His, uh, Barbara, she had a blue marlin on that. Rick, as soon as it jumped, Rick called it, yeah, said it was the right fish. And uh, unfortunately, after two and a half hours, we we broke that fish off. We were using, Tiagras weren't out yet, and we were using those old Beastmasters. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. They had like a silicone drag, and the thing locked up on us, and we ended up li- losing that fish. But it was that was, uh, that was one I wish we had. Wow. That was one I wish we had. How but, far were those runs out of there? You know, um, I'm gonna say Victoria might have been been a while now, but I'm gonna say 20, 30 miles, depending upon where you were. Um, I think when we were out of Porto Seguro, it might have been 30, 40 miles. People, I went to Cabo Frio. Uh, some years later, they invited me to come down and fish a tournament, and that was Cabo Frio is a little, little bit uh, kind of east north east northeast of Rio de Janeiro. I've actually been and, there. There's not many people that fish there, but we fished there. We we ended up winning the tournament. We killed a fish. I think it was nine fourteen. Wow. Sitting right next to us, there was a, a fish that was actually over a grand. Both of them laying side by side, but we caught more fish, so we won the tournament. Had some other releases, but I mean, it, it's uh, it was pretty interesting because all we had was a GPS. Didn't even have a depth finder or anything on, on the boat that we were fishing. And you could imagine if you went down there with some, you know, sonar and some of the equipment that we have now, I mean, it was, of course, crude back then. Yeah. yeah. What was it like having a boat like that in Brazil, 
Richie, I mean, I can't imagine many people seen a boat like that or program like yeah. that before. I got to tell you, when we went down the Amazon River with that thing, you would have thought people saw a spaceship coming down. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got, oh, that bottle of Cruzan rum that I bought, we ended up trading that for three dugout canoes. So Terry got one, Rick got one, and I got one. Nice. Uh, thing sitting in my garage now. And uh, wow, yeah, the, the, the kids would come up in their little dugouts and ride the wake. And we anchored up with the mothership. And I remember it was right around Halloween, or right after Halloween that we left. So we had this little Frankenstein thing. And uh, the engineer on the boat, Victor, I think he took it out or I took it out. And if you shook it, it's, you know, kind of the eyes lit up and it kind of went woo, you know, like a like a ghost. And all these kids were on the boat, like looking around, gave them their first ice cream and stuff. He did that. Those kids jumped over the gunnel into the Amazon River so fast you couldn't believe it. <laughs> they'd, never, they'd never even seen anything like that. But um, that's you know, amazing. It was a great boat. To, you know, that boat. I mean, that Maripo was incredible. You know, especially for back. You know, back then, it's uh, the the amount of miles that thing did, and 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 what it did. And you know, Don ended up getting a couple others, a sixty, I think sixty five and a seventy seventy two that that Terry had run and thing went all over the world basically what kind of go ahead nick i say did you you felt pretty safe down there the entire time um i don't know if i was too young to not know any better or or what yeah felt i felt fine you know like anywhere i'm sure there's places you didn't want to go yeah yeah uh yeah we were we were tied up next to the mothership off the yacht club in victoria tied up in a you know when we went actually went down to rio and uh had a great experience with a couple of the painters, uh, Doug Summers was one of them uh, from Merritt's. They came, they flew down, and we repainted the boat while we were in Rio. So we hauled out at one of the boat yards, and it was a great learning experience for me because I ended up learning all about brushing. And I even brushed. You brushed the, the whole boat. We brushed the whole boat, brushed the whole Merritt boat, which is what they did back then. And you'd never know. And then when I the, actually the first thing I did when I worked for Mel was like. It, the boat was due for a paint job and Merritt's had brushed it some years prior and I was sitting in Montauk and uh, Ryan Mountner was the first mate that I had on that, on that boat. It was, it was, you know, he, he was great and really gung ho to get into it. And uh, we tented the boat off inside a shed and we ended up brushing the whole thing. And you know, it's from what I learned down there from, from Doug and guys like Dave Hawks learning from him and stuff that uh, we ended up brushing the whole Whitaker a couple times over the course of the time that I, that I ran it. So never bought it at the boat yard, but damn, it didn't turn out pretty good. I thought, you know, yeah, it's so amazing. I don't think I'd want to brush the ballast boat though. I, I think John get a little upset at me. <laughs> Probably right work. And that's about it. Yeah. What was, uh, what was being in uh real like for your time there? That must've been fun. I've been there a long time ago. Oh yeah, it was great. Was, you know, <laughs> we had we had some fun. You've been there. We've had we had some fun. We had a uh, you know since the boat was hauled for a bit, we we had a uh, condo right at right on the beach there and Coca Cabana or whatever it was, and it was, uh, it was a good time. Yeah. Good time. Right. What, was it difficult to get the boat into Brazil? I mean, I I don't. I guess it's so far away that it's not realistic to like take your boat there for the winter, but. But what we what we can do now with ships and everything, it'd be interesting. It's a little bit more. I mean, it's not like there's more to it 
than like say Cape Verde, there's more infrastructure there than Cape Verde or something like that. But people tend to go that way instead of to the to the south, which I find it interesting. I don't yeah, know if it's because no, of the 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 policies of importing boats and how difficult it might be. Yeah, I'm not really sure of it now. You know, I think Don had some friends, and I think you know Rick Defio was using some agents back then, and everything. You know, as a mate's point of view, everything went really smooth. But I'm sure there was a lot of behind the scene things that, uh, you know, that, that Rick Rick had done, and also the you know uh, the captain of the mothership and things like that. So, man, that's a long ways away. Just looking at it on the map, man. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. It's a ten hour. It's almost a ten hour plane ride from from Miami. So, yeah, um, but it was a great experience. What kind of boat was the mothership? The mothership was a. It was actually, I think, built in Mexico. It looked like an old uh, tuna saner. That mm-hmm. was best best way I could say it was a tuna sa- tuna saner that was uh, turned into a floating Winnebago. You know, it was nothing fancy. It was a single engine, believe it or not, with two two big. Uh, Two big generators that thing got all over the place you know they did uh after i got off of it they they did a big ret a big refit on it extended it a little bit but i mean it was, it was just a just an old steel boat but it served its purpose great i think it held twenty eight thousand gallons worth of fuel so we were, we were able to go anywhere and and sit for a long time that victoria right. place is by rio uh it's north it's north of rio the closest place that you fished to rio would have been like buzios cabo frio right that area when i went yeah when i went later we never really fished the tyson's pride out of rio i got gotcha. um, you i went down there later to cabo frio and fished you know we I fished see uh, i see her now yeah i think victoria elias recife fernando de Narona, those those are the main places that we fished on tyson's pride it's like four thousand miles that sounds about right oh that's that's in a straight line from Miami, four thousand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's pretty crazy. I've always wow. wondered what would ah. I always wondered when it, what went on on that island out there, Fernando de, la, de la Runa. And Now I know because Richie's been there. Yeah, it was a cool place. You got Nick. You got to look at it for the surfing. It's uh, it's it's pretty sick. It's pretty sick. Yeah, what would have been amazing? What would have been your favorite place that you went on that the with with the Tyson's Pride, Richie? Oh man, they're all you know. That's a tough question. It's just like well, give, know, it, give us, give us like three or four. Shark bite. It's uh, yeah, they're all unique, and that's what makes it special. They're all yeah. great experiences, you know. Um, to say which one I'd want to go back to is really hard because mm-hmm. they're, they're they're all unique in their own way. You know, I wouldn't want to make the trip back to Brazil even on even on the ballast boat. Now it's a, it's a long trip. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean could you do you think you could do it on a on a on an 80 footer or do you think it i mean just nowhere to stop like once you get towards that amazon isn't it yeah i mean it's uh it, it we were able to we fueled up i think once off the mothership we had a big big line and we basically wire tied a fuel hose to it and pulled ourselves and made a little manifold system and and filled up off that once on the trip but yeah i'm sure you could do some extra some extra tanks and stuff yeah you know could it be done yeah but it's gonna be challenged yeah yeah certainly a challenge probably probably be a lot easier to just put it on a ship i think a couple other yeah some other boats have done it since i think they've gone with mother ships but yeah it's been it was pretty cool yeah do you were you guys the first american boat down there there was another 
big mothership that was or I, I mothership know there was one that went down after us i believe i believe we were the first but i got gotcha. you know there, there might have been somebody before us regardless it was pretty special so going back there what were your like if you could give us like three or four places that you know you'd want to go you that left an impression on you what, what would they be from from the tyson sprite era your tyson sprite uh, era from i mean from the tyson sprite and, and we've taken the shark bite back down there um i, I always like the bvis fishing out of there just because the fishing's good and i always like the fact you could be anchored in one spot one night yeah one night go out fish and anchor up somewhere else the next day i always saw it was a great trip for you know a group of guys that come down for a week um just a lot of fun because every, every night's a different you know kind of a different spot great fishing good you know good times get most everything you want everybody speaks english pretty easy um you know dominican dominican republic of course is is good which i know you guys have been um that was actually on the whitaker when, when i first took the whitaker down cop wasn't even built yet we we stayed at that marina just to the north of it at you know, punta cana marina and back back then i forget what year it was but a lot of venezuelan boats would come up there in the spring too so you'd see all all the you know the famous names from from venezuela at the time all those charter boats would come up there and uh and be fishing but that, that wasn't the fad you know just fishing the bottom back then you weren't really fishing the fads or anything uh you know brazil was of course incredible but you know hard hard to get hard to get there from here yeah um yeah they're they're all great it's, did you get to do any venezuela time i never did i never did gotcha. you know the boat had been there and i i, I wish i did but never i i'd never gotten down there now passed yeah. it by well, I'm, what was i mean going from cabo to panama in the 90s was a was an exploratory thing too i mean there were some some fishing going on there but not 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 nearly what it was you know now must have been incredible too yeah i mean there were some boats down there um you know fortunately with the with the exception of papagayo it was pretty you know pretty calm and easy run you yeah. know but then you get those winds coming down from the mountains there and i remember we had 50 knots of wind or so there. You know, remember also Rick had, we had a, some boat chase us off Nicaragua back then. And, you know, Rick was kind of like, all right, we're going to outrun them, but go get the guns, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, nothing ever happened of it, but we out, outran them in that boat, fortunately. Um, but that was actually, that was a pretty, pretty pleasant trip all, all around. I think, you know, I think it took us about a week. We took a, a, a fuel tank on that trip and, yeah, just chug the whole way down. It was pretty cool. Yeah, that, that Papagayo got so bad, it actually blew out our eyes and glass. And we ended up anchoring up in, in a uh, in Costa Rica in some bay there. We're stitching the eyes and glass back together with, <laughs> with, uh, with rigging floss that night, I remember. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Did you ever, in all your travels, Rich, have you ever, like, run into any sort of situation where you were, like, that we're going to, like, a like a pirate situation or some sort of like sketchy situation with an, with another boat. No, no, that was, that was it really. Fortunately, yeah. you know, been for, fortunate and, and not, you know, I remember Rick always had a, a big thing of polypropylene line in the lazarette for us. If, if anything happened, we'd throw that thing over and do some zigzags was, his, yeah. uh, was his defense back then. Yeah. It's a good idea. Like, oh, yeah, I like that. Might be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not a bad idea. Suck them backwards and be done with it. Call it a day. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's amazing the amount of water you've covered. Anthony would throw it in the water and run it over himself. Probably. The yeah, way this year is going. Mitchie was the one that told me about the big net. <laughs> Don't come over here. There's a giant he net. Went, he went right to it. I went right to it. <laughs> yep. Hey, it marked good on the sonar, didn't it? Oh, it did, it did. <laughs> I thought we were going to win that tournament. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You, know, you just gotta listen sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I'm too stupid. Ugh, that was funny. <laughs> no, glad, glad you made it through okay on that one. That was that was a uh, bit, bit spooky. Yeah, that was that was a long time in the water, over an hour. Yeah, a lot of people. Well, a lot of people helped out. Well, the first yeah. time I listened to Rich, it it paid off for us, and out of Long Island, Rich. Told me about Castle Rock, and we had probably the most epic two days of fishing I had, and that was before sonar too. So I couldn't imagine that little trip with the sonar. You know, we we're seven for twelve and day and a half. Yeah, you guys were crushing for sure. That was sick. You, I'll never done, forget that day. That water was electric purple. It, it was epic. Yeah, it's, it's it's a good spot. We we actually we were down there again this year, but we cut cut it a little short. Had yeah. to uh, had a power issue that we had to come back to the states and take care of. So, yeah, I didn't Where's make it this year either. We had epic, you know. We the weather was, you know, never really worked out in our favor, and but we did have epic fishing right out along. So, yeah. Where's Castle Rock, Nick? It's uh, I mean, Rich could tell you, but it's the the bottom of Acklands there. There's, yeah, a, light, there's a lighthouse there. Okay, yeah. where the bay is there, and you go in the 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 little anchorage. So ca- Castle's all the way down to the south, kind of yeah. Castle Rock, Mirapur Vos, that whole area. Like the bottom point area. there. Sure, yep. Drew, but... Yeah, it's a, it's a fishy spot, no doubt. No doubt. It's, yeah, it's nice that they built that marina. And if you're going to DR, if you're going to DR, you kind of drive right by it if you go that way. It's the southeast, southeast end of Crooked, right? Yeah, the, that southern tip of... Uh, yeah. Crooked and Acklands. I did stop there that one day when I got in the Crooked and saw you guys there. But the the lightning was bad, so I I did mark one there. But the lightning was bad, so I kept on coming. Yeah. So yeah, lightning's no fun. Want to keep on moving, especially on. there. Yeah, exactly. Rich, exactly. you ever uh, troll by uh, that hogsty reef a few times? I know you have. You know, we did it on the on the Grander years ago, um, and you know, it's a, again one of those things. We we went and spent the day there, did some deep dropping, which was good. And, and trolled around it and i think i think it would have been really early season so it might have been before things um so that could be a great place to just you know that day we had some good tuna fishing and stuff like that but i don't think we had any billfish at the time we were there just did a night for it yeah yeah um, and I, I always remember my old boss's wife it was mel and, and barbara on that trip and it was their anniversary, and she looked at me and said, "Some women get Paris. I get Hogstyle Reef." <laughs> <laughs> I always remember that. Oh, I, I've been wanting funny. to get Pete down there, you know, on on the shark bite. I, I know he'd love it, you know, especially yeah, for yeah. The, uh, the free diving and stuff there. That's that's right up his alley. We'll do yeah. it sometime. Yeah, we've threatened to do it a bunch. We'll we'll do it sometime again. Yeah, we. I I got lucky. I mean, I I trolled by it just twice in passing from DR. And, uh, you know, late in the year, but it was more just the Wahoo stuff out. One time we struck out and the other time we, I mean, it was like 80 pounders, just one after another. 
Like it was the sickest wah- wahoo fishing I'd ever seen. Yeah. 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 I wonder for billfish down there. Like I fished down in Cuba uh, a long time ago and it was a great place to fish, a great experience, but the fishing was kind of so so that I don't know if down there it's just kind of maybe a little off the beaten path of the, you know, where those billfish are traveling or you're just, again, you're just not there the right time of year. At a Havana? What's that? Where did you fish out of Havana in Cuba? Yeah, we we went down, uh, took the Whitaker down there for that Hemingway tournament mm-hmm. years ago. It, it was a great experience. It was, I mean, the the country was pretty amazing, actually. Uh, you know, we had a good time. Spent spent a couple of weeks down there. Uh, but the fishing, I didn't think the fishing at that point was was all was all that. There's no real bottom. Like once you cross the reef, is there? It's kind of deep there's no yeah, it real, just drops off it just drops off yeah but there was a mm-hmm. rich there was a boat there this year out of long that they did an overnight there and they were like they didn't have a sonar but they were like one for two on blues and you know they sank the boat and deep drop snappers and stuff at uh hogside yeah 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 we'll, we'll get there again i'm sure yes yeah. it's, it's on the radar we like that uh samana too yeah kind of another off yeah, the yeah. nothing there yeah yeah we had some great fish in there too after after you told me about that too i hadn't yeah, got I, the courage to pull on that reef yet though yeah it's uh definitely pucker factor yeah. definitely pucker factor you'll get in there but you'll you'll be a big sigh once you're in there yeah that's for sure one day you don't have to miss it by much you just gotta miss it <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah but that's where uh some good fishing there good times good good you know good free diving good good fishing um we we're there mike standing was there on the waterman um with us a couple times and you know kind of teaming up with him there he had he had good fishing and a lot, lot of fun they've caught seven there this year that's right yeah he had a great day there yeah I remember that yeah you know, yes just, you go up there and you just hope it's good and you hope the grass isn't too bad yeah yeah i was really bad that one year i was there but yeah. they were in there you know just they were, yep. they were there yeah just got to get on through them yeah uh, yeah we had yeah this, this this year i'm sure we had a good year on the shark bite had, had a lot of fun you know we ended up going back instead of going back to crooked we ended up going to the abacos which was great this year yeah you ended up going there and had some lights out fishing yeah it was a lot of fun slamming out yeah we had, you know, boss was there, you know, a good portion of the time. So me and my mate Pete and and uh, John we had had a super super time. Good time there, kept kept us busy. A buddy of mine was there, you know. After you were there, I had reached out to you and I told them, I'm like, hey man, like these guys had some really good fishing not too long ago. I'm like, I'm like, you might as well try it. And uh, they had some guys that I told to go, you know, went out there. They they ended up catching a few fish there. Yeah, yeah, and that was a couple weeks, you know, probably three weeks after you were there too. So it's crazy. It was just a good year there. Yep, yeah, just like you know, I'm saying you got you got go there and got the sonar dialed in, and it's uh, it's a great spot. Yeah, no doubt. It is. No doubt. Good spot. Good year. Yeah, Richie, tell us about going from. Um, I mean, you met Pete, and he did he already have the '68 Viking when you met him? He'd already had it on order. Okay. So um, I think I I started working for him in October and I, and literally beginning in November, the boat was done. 
already. It just didn't have a tower at the time. So we had to do that great trip of uh, yeah. bringing the Viking down with just a, just a windshield the whole way down to Florida. And it was cold. It was cold. Um, but yeah, he, he, you know, he just got it and brought it down there and Drew put the tower on for us and, um, you know, got, got right into it and started, you know, I think, uh, went right down to Mexico with it. I think that year, you know, did a little, little thing down fish PA for a little bit and, and just started, you know, started doing a bunch of fun stuff. I gotcha. So how long, how, how many years did you go, go ahead? ahead Good. I would say how long, how did it come about from, I mean, you had a nice, you know, new Viking and then how did that like conversation or how did it work out to like that translate into getting a Bayless? Um, you know, I think, I mean, Pete had owned a lot of Vikings and that, I mean, that 68 was, a, was a, a nice boat too. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think like a lot of people, they always have, you know, you're looking down the dock at the custom boats Yeah. and quite honestly, when he had the 68, he had, you know, always moved up, had had the 50s, the 61s, you know, the whole bit. And at the time, Vikings next step up from the 68 was that the 74, which was kind of like an older style boat at the time. And then you went to the 80, I think it was 82 or something, which was more boat than he wanted. Uh, had had that 70, 70 Viking been out at the time, I'm, I'm sure we probably would have been stepping into that as the next thing. but. He got the bug for the custom boat. And, uh, John happened to have a slot open when, when we went down and looked at him, and it just it just all worked out. That's cool. And tell us tell us about you know I mean the thought that goes into building a, a new custom boat. I mean you get a lot of you have a lot of decisions to make and a lot of freedom on what you what you want to do, um, with the boat. So maybe some of the the more more glaring things that you you and Pete kind of thought of when you guys were building this boat. Yeah, I I think one of the you know Pete had a great idea of what he wants. You know, he he was very experienced in the boats already, and um, I think it was the best thing that I had gotten to fish with him for for a few a couple of years at least before he started to want to build this boat. So I you know we knew the needs of what we wanted. You know, I knew what Pete did. I I knew what type of program he liked, you know, that, that we catered to his needs. And um, we kind of built the boat around our needs. I remember making a big spreadsheet up and look, this is a tackle that we have to put on. This is what we have to store. And, you know, uh, he wanted fly rods in one piece because on, on the Viking, you know, there's, we had to break them down all the time. And it was like, okay, where do you store fly rods in one piece on a boat that you don't see them? You know, so a lot of, a lot of things like that. I remember you showed me that one. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, right Bellis, under the step, did, step out from going into the galley, right? Yeah. You know, and yeah. Ballas, of course, you know, great with input. And I don't think it gets much better in working with him and his knowledge. You know, it's, uh, yeah. he always wants to build a better boat. But, you know, we got, got fortunate. We really kind of hit it out of the ballpark and got directly to what, what we needed. You know, satisfied our needs really good. Is there anything <laughs> special that you felt like you needed on the boat? That maybe other other boats don't have or oh man um i mean the one thing on on that you know we do both bill fishing and tuna fishing so we we have a really great fish hold uh on the boat you know big stainless steel box that you, you know we'd go sleep in that thing if we wanted to that's uh you know gets ice in it and and could be refrigerated we just use that and filled that thing up the other day I mean, you know my mate pete hargett and 
had that thing, you know, packed full and ice and kept fish really good. So that, that was something unique. And of course, a compromise, a little fuel, which we still have plenty, but you know, every, every, every choice you make on a boat is, is going to be a compromise somehow. Um, yeah, when we built that boat too, it, sea keepers weren't really, they were, they were out, but not everybody was putting them in. Later on, we retrofitted the boat to, to put the sea keepers in. Yeah. So that, that's a, something else that I'm glad, especially with the combination of the sonar. Um, the first sonar that we had on the boat was the old searchlight and it certainly wasn't the Omni. So, you know, we had had the thoughts of it, but ended up updating to the Omni, which is a, you know, 10 times the tool of what, what the searchlight was. Yeah. Just uh, the whole boat just kind of fell together. Just right. Okay. Yeah. Where'd the name come from? Uh, name came from Pete's always, this is his eighth shark bite and he was in, uh, technologies. Oh, so right. that's kind of how the name came about. Yeah. yeah. He, he has a great story about how it, how it came, came about, you know, it's, uh, through the basically through the technologies that he worked for yeah uh, chance was badass man the shark yeah 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 i yeah, feel like did a great job on it i feel like that time has not caught up with that thing like it's still still like one of the baddest boats out there you know it's like, like an oxford shirt man never go yeah. to that style right yeah it's yeah. just a bad yeah, i think it's beautiful man no, it's the head turner yeah it's really yeah it's Every time I'm on that thing, I'm yeah, pleased to be there. That's for sure. Very fortunate. Yeah, especially now a couple more knots with the new engines and yeah, just badass. Yeah, I mean we yeah we had a little over six thousand hours on the M94s, uh, so it was time to rebuild. And the M96s just seemed like a far superior engine, which I I you know I feel they are. I think it was a, a great move. They're quieter, smoother, no smoke. You know, just everything about them. Yeah, the whole smoke on the M ninety four is you'd give your way your position. Sometimes you you wouldn't even have to get in the binoculars. You could just look over and see see the shark yeah, bite or the, away. or the crazy salts backing up, and there'd be smoke everywhere. And I'd be like, oh, maybe I should slide over there. Yeah, and he backs up a lot too, so yeah, you'd see a lot of smoke, no doubt. Richie, tell us. I mean, you've been. I did. I I thought you were from since this how I. I've known Richie for 10 years and I thought you were from Florida. I didn't know you were from New Jersey. So like, I mean, tell you have any, any cool stories about fishing up here? Like, I mean, you, you get to go up to the North and to the great, great abyss, of, which is the Hudson Canyon and East, which I've never, I've never been East of the Hudson, which I want to go one day, but like, I don't know some of the good, incredible fishing you've seen seen up here over the years, and has it changed? Has it gotten better? Has it gotten worse? Or is it just kind of a condition I think thing? It's gotten different. You know, yeah, it's, it's uh, it's gotten you know, billfish wise, it's gotten better, and you know, but I remember you know, going out with my dad when I was really young and fishing with other people, and yeah, you know, there'd be times where you'd almost want to run out of the tuna because you needed a break from catching them. You know, fish you never had to go beyond the Hudson Canyon. The fish were always in the canyon. Uh, you know, you have a lot more albacores around, especially in the fall. Um, you know, great big, you know, big eyes were always there. Yellowfins, all you wanted. You know, just it, it had changed. We, you know, never really went out deep, you know, overboard like we do now. Now it's, I mean, you know, it's seldom, seldom that you're fishing on the bottom. Yeah. You know, now we're fishing all the temperature breaks offshore. Yeah, you know, we. we 
never really had to go anywhere else. We we had everything we wanted, but it was it was more tuna fishing than bill fishing, uh-huh. you know, for for us back then, um, you know, gr- growing up. And then through time, when I fished out of Montauk, I started you know doing that, you know, Atlantis and hydrographers and beach and all that stuff. And when you get even taking the shark bite, we'll run the shark bite from New Jersey all the way out to either hydrographers or beach when those eddies come in, and uh-huh. it's like fishing in a fishbowl now. Even it's We've had some incredible, incredible days out there. Uh, a few years ago, it was just you know sick with with big eyes, and you know you'd look down, you'd be fighting a fish, you'd be seeing other fish, you know swimming oh, underneath right. you. Yeah. Then you put the boat in gear to go somewhere, and a blue marlin comes up on your teaser. You know, it it's really, really good. Really incredible. Good. Got some friends that fish out there, you know, more consistent fishing out at Hyannis and stuff now, and uh, you know give call them for for some reports and if it's good I'd, I'd i'd like to go there i think it's as good as anywhere in the world yeah wow. when it's on fire you know things, things cool. have changed and now now all we do is you know fishing 25 you know 30 pound outfits and you know fishing for white marlins and blue marlins mm-hmm. so it's it's definitely changed you know from, what, from when i used to do it you know, do you have any super now. memorable memorable days uh that you that kind of jump off the page for you like over the years, I'm talking not prior to the shark bite too. Um, I remember one fit Mike Murray was fishing with me, and we we were fishing out of Montauk, and uh, ended up catching a really nice bluefin out of there one day. And we we're fishing for smaller fish, and we'd gotten some some bait off a dragger, which included a flounder in the box. And next thing you know, we had about five or six giants come swim behind the boat, you know, going through the chunks and. Mike ribbed that rigged that flounder up and threw that thing out like a frisbee. <laughs> and the second it hit the water, you know, bluefin came came and ate it. I think that fish was eight eighty three or something like that. Wow. That was that was a that was a fun fish. That was a good time. We had a one of Mel's guests had slept through the whole thing and woke up and that the fish was laying in the deck. <laughs> like, where did that come from? And I was good. I, I yeah, a lot of memorable trips on on the shark bite and you know, times fishing with my dad where he you know you had so many tunas, you'd be, you know, feel like you're knee deep in them. Had, you know, had some small, you know, the Scarborough was the biggest boat he had. He had, you know, some topazes and stuff like that. And of course, you know, put a few fish in the, in the fish box on those. And next thing you know, you're just throwing them on the deck. Yeah. That's, that's what you did back then. You know, it's, uh, we learned a lot since then. Awesome. Definitely learned a lot since then. And now, what, you know, what? shark bite, you know, just the tactics that we're fishing, you know, fishing more teasers and stuff like that, you know, um yeah my crew's great with you know fishing cockpit teasers and stuff like that and you know pete's become really good at pitch bait and fish so that to me is wherever it is it's super fun yeah it's just a whole team effort of you know everything from watching them on the sonar and saying okay there's going to be one coming and yeah next thing you know there he is and mates teasing the fish in and anglers dropping pitch baits back i think i think you know no matter where that is it's yeah. kind of our favorite technique and it, you know just a lot of fun can't beat it no i don't think so <laughs> i hope it's not over here but <laughs> <laughs> we need to get out a couple more times oh um, i know we need this weather to break yeah so you said i was thinking as I, we've been listening to you you you've only ha- really had three jobs you said over your career which is incredible considering 
I mean, I, I guess I'm my, my first captain's job still. Um, I'd like to get into like how how you manage that. You know, do you think it was luck or you know, obviously there's there's a lot that goes into it. You know, different personalities and things. Um, we hear the horror stories and the and the and the dream stories about how how good or bad it can go with with owners and programs and personalities. I mean, could you give us me and Nick being younger guys a, a little bit of little little bit of sage wisdom for uh, trying to maintain maintain a long lasting relationship, a long long lasting career and relationship, man. Like it's pretty cool. You've only had three jobs, I think. Oh hell yeah. I mean, uh, above all, I think I've been really, really fortunate just having some great people to work for, you know, between, you know, between Don Tyson, Mel Emmergut and, and Pete Charisia, you know, couldn't, couldn't have asked for three better people to work for. You know, I've been really fortunate for that, but, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, knowing that you're working for them and you're, you're not there for yourself, that you're, you're working for them, you know, and satisfying the needs and knowing that it's, it's a the fishing is the easy part i think a lot of times yeah um, you know i've been fortunate I've, I've had really great crew you know really great crews to work with me over the years and, um you know seen a lot of them, those guys develop in, into great captains on you know on their own now run running boats and doing fantastic and that that to me is really special to see you know um hearing from them and you know seeing how they're doing and, and the whole bit but uh yeah i think it's like anything just you know put your work in and try to make everybody happy and yeah there's always a couple bumps over the you know bumps in the road over the years but you know you get through them and you keep on going and trying to make a you know the owner and, and his entire family happy as best you can yeah and keeping your wife happy too yeah yeah yeah. That's that's the hard part. Keep, yeah, keeping her happy and my daughter happy and and yes. all that. I'm I'm very fortunate that we kind of shut down for the winter, so I I get to spend yeah my entire winter with my family. Yeah, you know we're we're busy. I'm yeah my mate Pete and I. He's the hardest working guy I know. He's you know we're doing bright work, doing ceramic on the boat. You know it's uh it's not like the boat's just sitting there by any means. It's always something to do on a boat. Yeah. If you're not doing yeah. anything, you don't feel like doing it at the time. <laughs> when will you bring the boat down uh, Jupiter? Uh, we're going to stop at Ballas in October here, and probably in a couple weeks. Uh, we're hoping to get out another time or two. Hopefully, Anthony doesn't catch all those marlins that are left. I hope we and both are uh, there, man. Yeah, I hope so. Um, so we're hoping to either you know get another tuna trip in or come down to Cape May or Ocean City, maybe another white marlin trip. And then we're we're due for a new cockpit and covering boards and generators and some other things. So we'll bring the boat to ballast for a while. Nice. Have him do his thing and uh, probably bring it down January sometime when, once they're done. Do it, hit, hit a little refresh button in the cockpit there. There you go. Yeah. And then uh, you know, take care of everything. Get get the ceramic back on the boat and coat on the bright work and hopefully. Uh, be doing southern bahamas again in the spring it seems to be the plan now we've enjoyed it down there yeah. it's been a lot of fun yeah, dominican republic's great too we've, we've you know, enjoyed that a lot of years but uh that southern bahamas thing we've been doing and it, it works out good for everybody yeah if you can Especially get there, it's, there yeah it's it's similar fishing 
I mean, I I'd never had a real big day in the DR, but it seems like you, it's super consistent where you guys fish down there in the in the southern Bahamas, and if you can it's, get there, it's been, yeah, it's, it's been good. Yeah, you know, it's also it's nice because you know if you want to take a morning go spear fishing or mm-hmm. you know do some bone deep fishing. Dropping, there's a little variety of things to do, and, and yeah, we also enjoy the bone fishing. You know, going to Acklands or whatever, and try to make an adventure. You know, the best adventure out of everything you could do, really. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot down there and you know, I know that now, you know, seeing what everybody's doing on the fads and DR, it's, you know, it's, it's good. There's no doubt. Um, but that, that Southern Bahamas stuff been, been kind of friendly to us. We've, we've enjoyed it. When was the last time you're in DR? What's that? When was the last time you're in DR? Now I'm going to say it was probably about five, four or five years ago now. Yeah. We, we used to always do uh Casa de Campo earlier season and then Capcana in the spring you know come up around april or may and fish there till june um and kind of slot our way through the bahamas uh, we just kind of yeah just a little change and we we did we always loved it and it was always great we try to sneak over to bvis even for a little bit for a trip over there for an early season trip I, you know had some had some decent fishing early in the season over there i mean i know that august september and stuff is is really when you want to be there but we had you know had fun there in the spring but i know you know pete's heart is up in the northeast so we'll always we'll always be up there during the summer do you en- like i do you enjoy coming home do you feel like if you were have have you spent many summers away from away from the northeast no i haven't um you know when i worked for mel that was based out of montauk because he had a house mm-hmm. out of there and that was the first time i stepped in montauk when i started working for him I had had a great time out there you know I was, fishing was good you know people were great and everything and i think it's changed a lot since now yeah it's a long time ago since, since i've been there i know it's still got good fishing but i think the town changed um and uh yeah with pete it's he lives in the northeast and and that's what he enjoys doing and we enjoy doing it with him yeah so i think we'll, I, you know he loves the tournaments in august he loves the, the tuna fishing in you know, september and, and the white marlin fishing in september yeah we're hoping that we get you know when we had those uh some some of those good days off the Hudson Canyon back a few years ago. Of course, hoping to hoping to do that again. Yeah. You know, uh, we usually go to Nantucket in the fall, or you know, and right after the tournaments, we'll usually go to Nantucket. Um, but yeah, you know, we kind of kind of hung back this year because of his his uh, his daughter had had the uh, his grandchild, so wanted to stick close to home. But I, I actually wish I really wish we. I regret two days out of Nantucket that we didn't go because uh, I guess Topher and Snicky had had that white marlin fishing up there. And we had done that. I did that on the old Whitaker. And I always told Pete that was some of the most special fishing I've ever done. And at the time, I think our best day, we had caught 12. And it's just, you know, the water slick calm, waiting for that high pressure system and just chugging around at 12 knots, looking for tailors, hopping on the bow watching the fish swim to the bait after you catch it literally hearing the fish swim to the bait you know paddling yeah. his tail it was it was some pretty incredible the whole scenario about that sight fishing for white marlin there was pretty pretty incredible you know, that, yeah that, that's, that's some you asked about the memorable stuff that's some of the most memorable stuff right there yeah, yeah watching watching those videos that topper posted man i was like give me goosebumps man that's like the coolest shit i've ever seen you know uh, just yeah i mean Granted, troll, trolling's awesome and seeing a fish come up on a teaser, but when you're just 
watching in perfectly clean water, watching a watching a you know white go after a bait is just seeing them turn and you know hearing the slash of the tail and the excitement of that. And it's pretty it's pretty awesome. That's some pretty special fishing. I was glad That's to really get it cool. back as good as it does and as good as it did this year for those guys and that they had those days like that. It was uh, pretty special to hear. I guess the conditions have to be the fish obviously have the fish to be there, but the conditions have to be pretty decent as far as no fog and super calm. Yeah, I think super calm is is one of the things and you know, kind of a mystery of how all the other conditions line up to me. We're just fortunate to to be able to fish, but the, the fish are sitting right on the edge of the cold water and the warm water. Uh, you know, in, in my experience of it, I think they found out again today, and it's anywhere from four miles off the island to 25 miles off the island. And yes. they're just sitting on top there. And uh, yeah, I remember the year that we had that was really good. It was great for, you know, we had a week's worth of good fishing. And all of a sudden the wind switched and it shut off like a light bulb. It's like a, it has to be like a southwest wind, right? Um, I, I think, you know, no wind is best. You know, just sit yeah, in the yeah, middle yeah. of a high pressure, you know, that high pressure. As soon as the wind starts, it get, the conditions get uh, tough. I know I talked to Snick. He said the one morning that he went that second day, the morning was really tough because there was a little bit of wind. And then once the wind, you know, it slicked out, they, the fish popped up again. Wow. And they found them. Yeah, I'd love to be able to do that again. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, you think you could? Do you think you could, if they were, if you weren't doing that, you could just troll around and get bites, or do you think you have to fish like that? I don't know. I I mean, the conditions weren't ideal. I I would think so, but I I don't know many people that have done it. Yeah, I'd love to know where those fish go to. We're we're pretty fortunate. I'm curious. We we tagged uh, with the satellite tags. We tagged four fish in the Bahamas this year. I got you. So I think it's 270 days. We'll see where those pop up. So some of the fish around Crooked, we did Crooked, Cat Island, and I think one in the Abacos. I'm going to be curious to see where those fish pop up in 270 days. Terry had got us hooked up with uh, IGFA, and they they sent us some tags to deploy. And uh, put them all on some healthy fish, and can't wait to see the results of that. But I'd love to see where those Nantucket fish go. Yeah, my uncle was just in Morocco doing the same thing. So be curious yeah. to see where that goes i'd be curious to see where our way marlins go or where i know that one of them that you caught stayed where not far from where you caught it because i caught it like five years four or five years later came like right with back, a regular, right? yeah i think you, it was like 30 miles north of where you caught it yeah well considering now it's five years that's pretty close yeah so yeah it's pretty cool um, yeah. my mom actually called it oh that's awesome yeah that's awesome yeah the, t- the tagging's I, been fun yeah, we we enjoy it. Pete Pete enjoys it. Yeah, I did it with Mel, did it with Pete, did it with Don. Have you had a lot of recaptures over the years, Rich? I'm gonna say I might have seven recaptures now. Yeah. Six or seven recaptures. And you even know, that it actually, you know, when my dad was fishing, he was very involved in it too. So he he'd done a lot of tagging of, of fish as well. Any any recaptures that are like kind of mind blowing or like kind of be like, oh, that kind of makes sense. Um, I think we had one that was recut off Venezuela. Oh wow! Um, I mean, they're all kind of mind blowing to me, but yeah, yeah, seeing where they end up, but, uh, yeah, not nothing, nothing super crazy. I don't think nothing yeah. super crazy. Kind of, kind of expected. Yeah, I, I love the note. 
know where our white marlins go in the winter because i don't think they go to the south i just don't because there's too much fishing that comes from the east here for them to think that they go south yeah, i thought they just sit behind the blood money all day oh, <laughs> God, i wish not this year the blood money has been made sure that dock is right where it needed to be this year <laughs> yeah I could, i'd have to look back but i think that one event as well it was probably probably the coolest yeah. one is that white marlin uh yes i believe it was and where did you catch it I think that that might have been a Bahamas fish. I, I actually, I don't, I don't, don't. I gotta look back. I don't even remember offhand. But still I, a good caught down there. Good travel. Yeah, a couple miles on, under it. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, we tagged a bunch okay. of big mahi's this year. Did you really? Yeah. Is that for now? Who is that for? The dolphin research people here in Florida. Uh huh. And where do they expect those to show up? find out find um, out right yeah they've been trying to figure out why it's kind of diminishing over the past few years and they they're tending to think that the the fads in dr are kind of messing up the uh the mahi uh migration i got i got a i was i was reading something that they were putting putting uh fads off of texas um recently and they're gonna put like 12 like uh i don't know if the state's putting them out or who's putting them out but they're putting them out they're legal fads and they're gonna be like industrial sized fads now i gotta i i'm wondering like when i'd like to get you guys's opinion on it do you guys think that fads like congregate more fish or do you think they like I, it's obvious that they congregate more fish but do you think it's healthy for the fishery overall like if if like in a place like the mid-atlantic like you know richie if there was a, a fad in the washington there doesn't even need to be a fad in the washington canyon like if the fishing's okay there there's going to be 100 boats fishing a, a square mile like is that healthy long term for fishing especially like obviously in the dr we let most of our fish it let, let all of them go pretty much unless you give them to the to the the commercial people but for like mahis or tunas or something like that if you're you're killing them faster than they can reproduce it doesn't seem like a a great idea that's a tough one you know it's it's created a heck of a fishery in dominican republic and i yeah you know, i think um in uh puerto rico i think they've put some like mm -hmm. you say industrial type fads out yeah which i'm not sure how how they've done um you know i'm sure sure there's definitely been some fish caught off them you hear down St. Lucia that, yeah. that they're catching. But, uh, you know, I think one of the main differences is up here, we, we're fishing water a lot, not not mm -hmm. bottom structure. Yeah. You know, now Nowadays, anyway, to me, it, it seems, you know, we're seeing where that water's pushing in. We're off the edge. So you could put a, you could put a fat out there and it might not even be in the right spot. I'm sure it's going to hold bait. Yeah. You know, but I think it's different up here than it would be down there. But overall, do you do you find that they're? I mean, if in a in a place like I don't know Texas, I don't know how how much pressure a place gets. Like making it that easy to go out there. Like say, say after a big storm, you just go out there and they'll they'll be there. You know, it'll be be refreshed and then it just gets picked clean. Like kind of like the dolphin, like the not the the lobster pots here on the east coast up here. Like people just run from from pot to pot in search of mahis and then they kill them all and they're like oh this 
spots. Somebody's been here already. Yeah. A week later, there's they're back on them though. I guess. Yeah, that's you know? true. And yeah. and in the Gulf, I mean, I've never fished the Gulf, but yeah, I can't say you know, a lot of a lot of fads out there with the oil rigs. I assume mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Yeah, I found it interesting that they were putting more fads out. But what do you what do you think, Nick? Yeah, I mean, I I mean, well, you know, I mean, people say that the R fads kind of you know ruin the migration. You know, I'm, like Rich said, it, it's created an incredible fishery. But but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, yeah, we, we actually had the Tyson's Pride back in Mayaguez many years ago. Um, but back then, you'd fish that Pachicho Bank. You know, mm-hmm. We didn't even know fads were around. We'd, we'd anchor off Mona Island, which I don't think you could do anymore, but anchor off Mona and, you know, base out of Mayaguez, anchor off Mona and go fish the banks there. And, you know, the, the fishing, there was some great fishing back back then. But it was all on bottom structure, not on not on the fads, and that's that's changed. So I think those maybe not in the way that they are now, but you know the fish were always there. Yeah, um, I fished the Mona Island, and it was it was solid fishing. Well, the couple of days we went there, it was great. We just ran from Capcana because it was sucked everywhere else. Yeah, so, yeah, and it was still it was still consistent. I mean that's that's one thing I always liked about Capcana during the spring before you fish the fads is that you were fishing the bottom. Yeah. I mean, the bottom structure off there is like, you know, somebody gave you a, a thing of clay and said, make the coolest bottom structure that you could imagine, you know, put one rock here, two rocks here, three rocks there, a hole up here and an edge over here. It's, uh, you know, it's pretty, pretty cool place to fish. Yeah. yeah. Bottom okay. structure. Now, now I think everybody's, uh, fishing the fads, but. Except for the Puerto Ricans, they fish right in there on the bottom off that red house. Yeah. I could never get that figured out. Yeah. It was up in the hot dog there, I think they call yeah. it or something. Yeah. Yeah. They do good. And uh, I talked to a friend of mine who ended up, you know, just, just recently fishing, you know, fishing on the bottom and did did good with the mm-hmm. Blue Marlins just, uh, I guess, you know, a week or so ago. Yeah. Not, nice, nice to not have to do circles around lily pads all day as productive they, as they are. Yeah, I know me. Anthony yeah. runs them over. I run them over. There are those that have and those that will, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I've done a lot of having lately. I, I'm I'm curious to see how that all works out because I don't think I don't think fads here on the East Coast would up here in the Mid Atlantic would be very healthy for anything. Probably a lot of fights on it. Be interesting yeah. on the radio. Yeah. It's just quiet now with uh, Starlink. Yeah. Nobody talks anymore anyway. Yeah. Nick, what do you think about all these sailfish being caught up in North Carolina now? That's something else, isn't it? Yeah, I, I keep keep asking myself if they're just going to stay up there and live up there, or that means it's going to be good down here this year. Let's hope they make it your way again, right? I don't know. Part of me says they just might live up there. Yeah. What do you What do you think changed that that caused that? Yeah, I mean that's that's your that's right. That's yeah. That's your, I, uh, that's your wheelhouse I mean, just, there, right? I mean, over the past few years, it just, you know, we really haven't got the push of fish, especially early in the year, like we normally do. Um, and it's like every, every year for the past handful of years, it gets just every year, the, like it gets delayed and delayed and delayed. And, uh, you know, probably due to a lack of cold fronts kind of like that we used to have. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I mean, if, you know, if those fish might just live up there, I mean, it depends. It depends how the cold, you know, how much cold weather we have, if it's going to make a move, you know? 
Yeah. What was your best month last last year? Like if you if if someone came down to Miami Lauderdale and said, "This is the time to go sail fishing." Now has has it changed from a few years ago? You feel? Yeah. I mean, every year, you know, like you know, eight ten years ago, like December used to be great, and then obviously just January was great. March, April, all great months. Now it's like we don't even start seeing them now. You know, maybe you get a couple little pushes in January, but not big ones. And then, you know, maybe a couple in February and then like March will get really good. You'll get some really good pitches in March, really big ones in April. And then, you know, May could be on fire after, but the tournaments are pretty much done in May. Yeah. And then you got those guys in Stewart, you know, catching them in the summer, you know, which that as far as I know, I mean, those fish have never really been there before. And now the last three, four years, you know, that steward summer fishing has been like the best we've seen on the Florida coast. Yeah. It's really, really something slick, calm, like no condition, you know, really weird fishing. <laughs> just, just so, a cycle that we're in. Yeah. So I don't know, every year we keep saying, Oh, this is going to be the year, but it doesn't, <laughs> it's not what it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, like now, like, you know, all these tournaments we have now, you have all, you, know, you have 50 good boats fishing and, you know, sometimes seven fish wins, you know, like that's unheard of back in the day, you know, we had 17 fish days and 25 fish days, you know, that's yeah. like, yeah, you get 25 fish for the whole season now. It's like a couple a good, hours in the morning that you would have caught that. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, hopefully it'll be a good one for you again this year. Yeah. Yep. They're still Let's catching see. the the last couple of boats the other day. Saw some sales out of here. Really? Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows where they get they get up around this corner, Nick. I don't know. It'll be Christmas time fishing out of Ocean City for sailfish. Oh Too my bad. god, that'd be epic. So definitely a weird, weird place that the Gulf Stream's in, Rich. Have you ever seen it where it's at? This far no, east and north. Yeah. De definitely uh Definitely unique this year. I mean, what do you think of all those sailfish there off the Carolinas? I mean, has that been like that in I, the past? You know, I I, I know they had, you know, we don't fish there that much anymore. Um, you know, actually, the last sailfish I think I caught in North Carolina was the first day we fished a shark bite. We went out with Ballas and a couple yeah. other guys and ran to the south and it was a great start for that boat. We, we didn't even get a full spread out. We had a sail on, on a long nice. rig, you know. So it's uh, I'm not I'm not down there to fish that much, but seeing the reports and seeing what people are doing, I mean, certainly the best it's been. I think John himself had one of the best days out of Oregon Inlet. I believe he ran to the south a bit, but yeah, you know, definitely some pretty special fishing. They some, catch a lot of them. It's going to be him too. But. Yeah, Nick. There's definitely sometimes. There's been some years where the sailfish is stronger, like around Cape Hatteras or just above it, out front of Oregon Inlet, where it's more, more sails than whites. But the consistency below, below from Moorhead to Hatteras and up above Hatteras a little bit has been crazy. The Moorhead fishing is, as far as I know, this is historical for there. I mean, boats catching. In the last couple of weeks, you know, boats catching, getting 20 bites, 15, 20 bites. So um, that's really interesting. 
that that's going on there. And it's been consistent. They have a, like you could go there in December and or from like October to December and have some Wahoos and sales and definitely get a dozen bites. But for this to be happening now for as long as it has, and as good as it's been is pretty unheard of. Yeah. It's been pretty, pretty consistent. And they had, you know, seems like that, I guess it's around May. They've had some good blue Marlin fishing in there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know even Charleston, we've been, talking about maybe next year going to going to Charleston for a little bit on the way out. Yeah. And uh enjoying some of that fishing. That's a good fishing this year. Yeah, it's been it's been seems like it's been a been a thing. I don't know if it's just the more boats that are going there, but it's definitely becoming more of a thing that that more Charleston and Moorhead area seems to be producing some early season some May fishing kind of kind of would be a good introduction for us to the mid Atlantic fishing going down there and fishing that That'd be be a good start good warm-up mm-hmm. for sure yeah for sure nice weather and just nice area to be in in america come may i don't know if there's the the weather gets any prettier in april and may in the Carolinas. so i'll be curious i hope they get down there and fit and try to catch some of them sales before it gets too far away so yeah where are you gonna you go to wrightsville i think right i'm gonna go to moorhead this year richie and okay. go go there and um maybe fish a little bit there and see where the where the where the winter takes us so yeah good um, so um, we'll see we don't re- we don't really make plans until we make plans on the blood money i wish we did <laughs> so well, one thing sure about the plans is they're going to change yeah <laughs> that's always been why they don't make nobody makes a plan is that it's always going to change but i'd like some sort of heads up yeah nice to nice to have something on the radar that's for sure yeah but fishing changes places change yeah everything yeah. that's keeps it interesting that's, that's for sure that's right yeah so well cool guys thank you richie man we really appreciate it you're the ideal first guest for for me and nick i think um so we appreciate the time man yeah thank you man we appreciate and the, it and the uh, history it's been lesson. a pleasure guys always, always like what you guys are doing it's been a pleasure to do it for you Cool. Well, thank you, buddy. Make sure you well, tell us about uh, when those tags pop up. You know, we could oh, give, us yeah, sure. give us something to yeah. talk about. You know, no, that'll definitely be something to yeah, talk I'm, about. Yeah, I'm counting down on that. I can't wait yeah. to find out. Yeah, Were they from cool. the spring, spring, Richie? Yeah, that would have been all spring fishing. Oh, cool. Think, yeah, uh, so May, May, May and June. So, like, end of the year, pretty much, right? Or just yeah. probably June, November, uh, December, January? Yep. Probably they'll pop up. So. Yeah. So, hopefully, we'll have some good reports and some interesting stuff. Nice. Cool. Yeah. So. All right, guys. Well, it's been, right, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, man. Thanks, Richie. Thanks, man. All right. Appreciate you it. Bet. Okay. All right, see ya. We'll see you.